Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on this not so glorious day. We are making it brighter with a fab conversation. Start the weather. It's all about beautiful radiant light on the inside. <laughs> exactly. We were just doing the very British thing of talking about the weather before we <laughs> before we hit record on this quite bleak winter morning. But as you said, we're going to bring a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of brightness. And I'm very excited for our chat today after I sent you the point is sort of asking you, I've had a, had a brief look, a little bit of a insight of, of some exciting things to come today where, as for this season, we're talking about the sort of lessons that in hindsight, the wonderful thing that is hindsight, what we wish we'd learned in school or things that we wish, wish that had happened. We're sort of diving into those a little bit now to hopefully reflect on those lessons, share the lessons with each other. And I think, yeah, I'm really excited to dive in with yours today because I think, yeah, they resonated with me and I know they will for so many people. So let's start first. What was your, what is the first thing that you kind of wish that you were, you were taught in school, but you weren't? I think I was thinking about this and I was like, what, what do I wish that was different? And it's this idea of individual self. And I think it's probably different now for children. I'm not sure I, I, I don't know children. Um, <laughs> but when I went to school and started primary school and at the end of the 90s, everything was still very, very traditional. National curriculum was there, but it, it wasn't a, a big focus for schools. So children were popped in lovely little boxes, little boys do this and little girls do this. And if you don't do that, the teacher had the right to say, well, you need to fit in. You need to be doing this with everyone. I found it incredibly difficult to make friends. I had wildly different habits and hobbies to the other children. And I just felt like a little alien. I, I, I remember primary school, I just found it impossible to fit in. And I found that I, I felt bad for being a failure because I just couldn't, I couldn't make it work for me. I just, I found it really difficult to, to fit in. And as a, as a result, my first couple of years of school, I kind of didn't do mornings because no one could get me off my mom. It, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was really difficult. And I think children also make you feel that because children are pure little souls, but also they have no filters. So if they think something, they're going to say it. And you read the room, you know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So I felt very singled out and I wish, I wish we were taught to be ourselves, but I don't think we were. I don't know. Did you experience that sort of feeling in school? Yeah, no, I, tell you, I, I, I think it's really, really interesting point. And I think for me, I was actually thinking as you were saying there and going back to so you're talking about sort of primary school in particular. And I think, as you said, we all without knowing it because we don't have we're not able to comprehend yeah. it that little tiny little four or five year olds which when you get as you said taken like what it feels like ripped away from from your mom <laughs> like that's the image of that's so sad um like you we don't we're not able to comprehend whilst we're being put into the boxes we're so unaware of it and i think it's only certainly been like in probably the last even few years so like it like late 20s into my 30s that I realized how much so and for me I definitely I I definitely felt the pressures it was in primary school I remember like so much so friends and I were talking recently about in year five or six do it like the then when people started getting boyfriends and my yeah. girlfriend started um everyone then started talking about like um 
being frigid and that sort of came out when you're 10 years old and something I don't know if you had it at your school but my friends and I were talking about how awful this was but the frigid test which we had which was this thing which is and I we were reflecting so I was like oh my gosh which was li- literally where oh it's hot it's horrible <laughs> oh, I'm cringing even just now remembering it again where at 10 years old you'd go like it was uh, at discos or things like that or at the yobs club on a friday at five you know from five o'clock and it would be that the bo- the, the boys would have would get their their not it's not as bad as it sounds starting out their fingers like run it up your ankle and all the way up and if you flinched it would be like oh you're frigid and it was the frigid test you've just brought that to mind but that you know all these things of, of then who you are and I remember hating I didn't I hated it and that idea of like then oh well yeah things to do with your sexuality but I was so hated it cringing away from it and that introducing that part of yourselves but have no idea of what it should because as you should be you're that innocent child and you want to explore and just be have fun with your friends and you know I just wanted to you know be creative and get muddy and (laughs) do all those things but what do you think that it sounds like that 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 experience through primary school was obviously so informative and how did that shape did that continue through to secondary school and what 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 sort of happened to shape that uh, it, it definitely carried on with me. I I found it really hard to make friends. I found it really hard just to like fit in. I'm not very good at um, changing the way I feel to please other people. My sister is incredible at this. She just morphs into the people in the room with her. It's why she's very good at her job. It's why she's able to do it. But I was never able to do it. I can't hide how I feel. It's on my face. And I think people around me found that difficult and it it did follow me and I think this sort of vague sense of difference permeated from me before I even understood what that was and obviously it was picked up by other children moving into secondary school that just turned into daily bullying and the worst five years of my life (laughs) Mm. no it's okay I've moved on from it and I'm all right but would I go back to school absolutely not would I, if I ever have children, force them to go to school if they hate it? No, I, I couldn't do that to them. I couldn't because of how hard it was for me. Mm. And, it, and it is, and I, you know, I was, I'm sorry that that was your experience. And as, but as you said, today it has, it has shaped who you are and it, it, that <laughs> you learned so much from it, but it's still, it's a tra- traumatic to have to go through that at such, when you are, so impressionable when you're younger when you're still you're figuring everything out and to be as you said earlier you described it sort of being put into a box and you know if you're sort of being squashed into a box that doesn't fit and and then you're not able to you're trying to explore who you are but then other people's like opinions and and comments and all of these things completely will understandably massively affect us now now sort of knowing what what you do or sort of where you are now what do you think could have could have helped? What what yeah, going through even back to primary school, what do you think could have helped you? I think the idea of compassion would have helped a bit more. The idea that you don't have to be a certain way to be happy. And I think I've learned that. I mean, in my mid to late 20s, I've learned that you get to set the rules and you get to make yourself happy. And I I don't know why we weren't given that opportunity as children. It was always very much, you do what the people, the adults around you tell you. And I I don't necessarily think that is the way to raise children healthily. I think we should 
just allow a bit more freedom. There, there's especially at four or five. Why are there rules? Why is there rigor from what children should and shouldn't do? If they're happy, if they're healthy, leave them alone. And I, I wish that's what had happened to me. And there were a few teachers that tried, but it never ever filtered through. It was never ever that option. So I hope that educators now that are possibly our age used what happened to them as children to make them better teachers and I hope that the kids today get it a bit easier than we did mm, no I totally agree and as you were saying I, I don't know any I don't know any primary school age children no. to be able to, no. to ask them but I really hope that because it, it was so I suppose what you're saying is like and what happened what it was like in my experience too is just so full of shoulds in that you know boys should do this girls should do yes. this smart kids should do this um, people who struggle with reading should do this creative kids should all those shoulds and that's so limiting so limiting and we learn from that and sort of bring it bring it forward in so many ways and, and I, I love to hear that you you've now in your in your 20s and you found and, and embraced the uh, sort of giving yourself permission to discover yourself in in all those different ways and what talk about that a little bit more what has helped you in that process and, and that come to this point now I think I got to 21 and I realized that I had all these questions these feelings and all I'd ever done was gone, no, no, you can't do that, Ben, because this person will say that and this will happen and it'll be terrible. And I thought, well, why? What's the point? Because at that point, when you live for others, I mean, you get up, you do the day, you do that for 60 years, you die. I mean, I thought to myself, I, I can't stay on this rock and not make myself a little bit happier. So I just started saying yes. So to any question that arose, I thought, well, what, what's the worst that can happen? You don't like it, it upsets someone else, you move on. And I've just carried on saying yes, and it's got me to where I am today. I've fallen into a career that I love. I'm, you know, making decent money doing that too, and opportunities are coming. And I think more than ever, those years of hardship, all right, they were hell at the time, but it taught me to honour my inner self. I now say and do what feels right to me. And I think we don't do that. That's not a preset. We're taught to be selfless. We're taught to put others above us. And I, I think that it's important to go, I can do all of those things whilst also being just a little bit selfish for me. Because at the end of the day, no one else really cares about themselves more than they care about themselves. So you're not really going to piss too many people off if you're just a little bit more selfish. So I am grateful and I try and put that through everything I do because unless you've gone through hell and back, you probably wouldn't know to do that for yourself. And even if you had a, a lovely childhood, like straight out the railway kids or something, you still need to be reminded to be selfish. And I think that's my role on earth and that's what I do. <laughs> and I love that as a role. And it's and I, I totally agree that it's that saying doing things for yourself isn't it, and you sort of use the word selfish and I like they were kind of you, like almost like uh, taking that back as like a positive it's layers of selfishness there's like pure selfishness at the top like Trump and then there's like mid layers of selfishness where you love and help others but you also love and help yourself in equal measures absolutely and I, yeah I really like like that and I think it's so true because you can't ultimately you can't show up to yourself in the way that you need to to in order to fully feel yourself and as you were saying and described you get to that point of, you know, mate for people who might describe it as like rock bottom, it might just be, and this, you know, we'll talk about this because I know it's one of your points coming up, that sense of 
coasting and that you're capable of more but you want more but life's okay and it's you know that you're coasting along but also or you know things are really tough but it's it's getting to that point and using that as 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 um an opportunity to realize actually what do I need to start saying yes to myself you said turn that mirror inward and that by doing that not only will your life feel better will life feel lighter because you're being more of yourself you're more kind of um aligned with who you want to be but that then means you're going to be more fulfilled you're going to be happier you're going to be more energized you'll be probably nicer to the people in your life you'll have more energy and capacity to then help and show up to your close people in your life but your colleagues your neighbors your community and that's only a, a positive thing absolutely Mm, no, I, no I, re- I really like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start because I often use it in my work as, as, as a life coach. I, I often I talk about sort of you know, self-care isn't selfish and doing things for yourself. But actually, I'm like, no, I like that. So it's like no, taking back the word selfish and, and reframing that into something in itself. I like that. So moving on to your second point a little bit, I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you talk about um, about that, what what that was and telling us a little bit about that. Um, I think. It's this idea that we have to learn how to do things for ourselves, And that's not always going to be a predetermined way. And I talk about this when I sort of guide people through keeping up motivation and looking at success stories, is that there's obviously a lot of destinations that we all want to get to, but there's a thousand and one ways you can get there. And I remember I have this really, really strong memory from school and when I was in year three I had this teacher called Mrs Bruce now Mrs Bruce hated me she hated me more than anything in this world partly because my sister had gone before me and she was an incredibly clever student but also put Mrs Bruce's back up too but when it came to me she just couldn't she couldn't do anything but be vile um I don't know why but we did these awful comprehension books from the 70s and you couldn't move on to anything else until you'd finished it and you'd got it right and you'd mark it in front of the other kids. She'd do it with you. And so if it was wrong, you didn't just have to do what you'd got wrong. You had to do it all again. Now, I'm really dyslexic and it's been something that I've always struggled with. So comprehension, like copying out of a book, I can't do it. So I did the same piece of work for a fortnight. And it also like there's a structural thing here you had to stay on the same table so everyone else would move to a different table to do the other bit so I was on my own there was 29 other kids moved on and I literally couldn't do this and it got to the point where my mum bless her lovely Ruth she had to come in and she had to really firmly talk to Mrs Bruce that it wasn't a means to an end there was no way I was ever going to get this done so could I just move on and now she treated me like absolute pile for the rest of the time I was there but she did let me move on because what's right for a lot of other people is not going to be right for you and I I don't think at that time school ever allowed that to happen and it followed me through school but it taught me a really valuable lesson that someone else can get success from one route but that will not work from you and you have to find out your own way to do it. And it's really important to try things. I think, you know, doing that orange comprehension book that had a donkey on the front the first time would have been fine because I learned I couldn't do it and we'd have found a different route. But keep trying it. Well, why are you surprised that the outcome's different? So once you see you've hit a wall, find a different way around it. And I think that's really important. And I think we weren't taught that at school. 
And it's something as grown-ups we have to learn because look, COVID, the rug can be pulled out from you at any time. And if you only know how to do things one way, you're going to get stuck. So you have to find different ways to do things. Oh God, I love that so much. What you're, what you're saying is in the lessons you've taken from that. And the fact that obviously you can tell it was that that's traumatic. It's the fact that you can still see, I can see in your eyes as you were talking, describing the donkey on that book. I remember that the different colours and you had the little like almost bookmark sliders that you put in yeah and, and, I, and with that I suppose what you're describing it's like almost like learning learning your resilience and what what and teaching yourself but not also it's, it's the challenging times that teach us that and I think this year you know during the pandemic has taught us all that more than ever but it, and it's okay that that doesn't feel easy sometimes but it's it's because you said so zooming out and examining okay well what what does work for me? It's okay that it doesn't, isn't the same way as other people. And I think, as you said, at school, it's, it is so linear in all, like everything in all the layers of the educational system or, or certainly when it, when we were, we were yeah, at school. Absolutely. And as I said, I'm not sure whether it is now, I think you need to do some, I need to reach out to some teachers. Yeah, if you, if you are a primary school child, please do get in touch. <laughs> yeah, please let us know. We're looking for some feedback. <laughs> <sighs> and but I think that and it is all catered to sort of a, t- a type of learning style yeah. and if you're anything other than that you it's that sense of othering and in the same way it's those the, from the classroom in the same way that you're just left on that table and everyone else is, is moving on or think people do it differently or whether it's dressing differently or speaking differently what I think we everyone has their different experience of that sense of othering yeah. and leaving that through but as you said to in order to navigate that space it's it's discovering who you are so rather than othering yourself it's kind of being like well who am I what is my my learning style and what is the way that I do things and I, and I love the way you describe that how, has there been anything that has if anyone's listening who's kind of like yes but how, like, I, I'm there but I, how how can I do that anything that kind of has helped you kind of almost like discover and embrace the way that you do things I think it's really important when you want to work out what's right and what's not right for you, you almost have to sit above yourself and observe stuff. I I talk a lot about keeping diaries and keeping record. And it's really important to just watch yourself for a week. What went really well? And what, you know, what did you struggle with? Write those things down and compare them. And you kind of give yourself almost like a preset. I was, um, reading something that Emma Gammon said and she was saying I don't really have routines routines don't help me but I do have a routine for when shit hits the fan these this is just the preset I fall into just to get me through that day so you can give yourself these presets to say okay I'm not really good at emails in the afternoon at replying to people but what if I started and wrote all the emails at the start of the day and then scheduled them through the day and then I can spend the rest of the day focusing on the stuff that my mind is able to work on at 2 p.m it's those or that you work out that maybe I don't really work well at 9 a.m I personally don't sit down at my desk until midday because in the morning I, I, I just can't type I can't think but from 12 till 6 I get loads done and you don't have to do it the way everyone else does it and especially we're all working from home does it matter so almost keep an eye on yourself and work out did this work for me did this not work for me try things that other people do bring them into your routine and just build this sort of list of stuff that you can just say if I need to do this I'll do it this way if I don't want to feel like this I won't do that. And you can almost 
coach yourself through it and it is a lot of work and if you're not someone that does things the way everyone else does it is more effort but it is worth it to try and get on top of it so especially if you're a freelancer if you work for yourself you really have to be aware of these things and it's worth investing the time in I think anyway no I know I totally agree so I'm sort of nodding and smiling along as you're speaking because that essentially everything you described and that self-discovery is why the curious curiosity club started and you know all my work that I do as a life coach and just that encouraging that that reflection on 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 what's going on and and finding ways to kind of bolster because we all have strengths and we all have you know weaknesses or things or things that we find more challenging and that's doesn't but when you focus only on the challenges that's when you grind to a halt in whatever you're doing and but it's thinking about what am I what can I do okay I'm good in the afternoon and you know just for example, of the differences, I'm the opposite in that I, I'm really great until 2 p.m. Between 2 and 6 p.m., I'm useless. Like, I am just useless. And then I sort of come back to, come back to life. And it's working with that and giving, I think, coming back to what you're talking about at the beginning of giving yourself permission yeah. to, it's okay, I don't have to do the nine to five. That's fine. I can, especially if you're freelance, you get to shape everything that you're doing but pausing prioritizing that pause to zoom out and I love that you you um your encouragement in in writing things down and because when things are in your head it's so easy to miss yeah. to get so tangled up have, have something always with you yeah exactly yeah always with you and different kind I might have like five different notebooks at once for different 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 types of things things that I go I'm a big big fan of that thank you for sharing that I think that's really really useful for so many people so moving back now on to your your next point that um yeah we were talking about the sort of the the learning and and this you described what happened to you beyond beyond school I think we're sort of, we're taught that we're in school until we're 18 and that's that. And once you're done, you're this perfect little formed human, go off, pay your taxes and do it until the end of life. And that's that. And I, I don't actually think that's that helpful. And I, through school, I kind of learned to make myself smaller, make myself quieter. And it meant that I didn't try as hard as I could. I was good enough to get into decent sets. So I was with like clever kids that didn't want to bully me, but I also didn't try and stick out. So I wouldn't raise my hand. I wouldn't do anything beyond what was expected of me. I didn't want to get extra praise. I didn't want to be singled out. And I think I got to the end of sixth form And I I remember specifically a a day when my friend was talking to me, she was going to an open day the next day. And I was like, babes, what's an open day? I had no idea. So I thought, oh, I'll apply to uni, I'll apply to uni. And I was like, I'll go do drama, I can do that. And honestly, worst decision, I pulled out. I didn't do any of that. And post 18, leaving school, I think I had to take the time to go, okay, what was missing? And I think I realised that I wasn't done learning I wasn't done growing and I chose to go back to education I did evening classes at my local college York College and I did photography and photoshop and honestly best student quid I've ever spent it was 12 weeks three hours a week on a Wednesday night six till nine and it was fab I learned I use those skills to this day and it that was the the kickstart for me to be like okay I loved that. How can I get more of this? I wanted to learn more because it was on my terms, because I was with people that saw me as an equal. And because I was a grown up, I was expected to be different to everyone else. 
And I love that. Like I sat next to a woman, I can't remember her name because I never do, but she was a, a, a dental hygienist and she was doing this because her company wanted her to redo their website. And we got on like a house on fire. There was never any mention of difference, never any mention of anything like that. And it was fab and I wanted more. And that was the kickstart for me to be like, I'm going to go out and get a degree. I had no background in my degree at all. My degree was in fashion promotion. You Like the kids came from fine art. They had these art portfolios. I was like, um, I failed French and I didn't do very well at biology, but I can do photography. So I had nine months. I made a portfolio, everything from scratch. I went and like pulled everything together, did shoots with my friends. I made these massive layouts in InDesign. And I got all my offers. I got everything I wanted and I went and did my degree. And it felt, I felt really old going to university at 21. And to be honest, I was old at 21 because everyone was 18. But it was really important to do that in my own time. And I don't think we're taught as children to take our time. Over the summer, I worked with the mental health charity Cooth, which is specifically for teenagers and young adults. And the only message I poured into those children's heads is you do not need to make every decision now. You're 18. You've got decades. Take a year off. Go and work in like a cat cafe. Just work out what you want to do when you want to do it. Just because everyone else is doing it at this time doesn't mean it's right for you. I think I wouldn't be surprised if I get to my 40s and I might go back to university again. I don't know and I'm never going to say no. Just knowing that you have to give it that time and that you can learn at any point is so important. And I don't think anyone is taught that. Even today, you, we are taught to do it all at once, get a job, start earning and start paying back to society. And that, that's rubbish. And I still haven't paid back any of my student debts and I never will. Sorry, Boris. <laughs> I, I I totally totally agree and I think it's so drilled in at school that it, as you said you 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 do you stay on and I think they have to stay on till 18 now anyway god I'm so yeah, I'm so yeah I'm so out of touch whereas when I was there you could, you could definitely leave at 16 so it was to me it was yeah, go 16 go to six one you go to uni I took I took I did then did an art foundation and then took the gap year and did all that and that like literally tick boxing but I didn't, like, and then went to uni and had a miserable time yeah. and would have been so, so much better off if I had just taken four years to find who I was, going to working in, and realising what the world was like before doing that. I mean, I'm grateful for where I am now, but in, you know, I did a fine art degree. So as, as a life coach through my own experiences, but definitely not using the degree, the degree in the way I thought I still do with being a business owner. It's so creative, yeah, but I totally agree it's that and even now I think anyone listening to this if you're in your 20s or 30s or at any age it's not too late it's not too late and I love that you you were saying that you know going to do an evening course or now what's fun there's so many fantastic online courses whether it's workshops and mm, exactly you don't even have to leave which especially at the moment and that's what yeah, I absolutely love and that's why I'm excited that, that you know, we're, we're with the Curiosity Club starting these lessons more so that we're going to be doing you know, and obviously no at the moment not qualified won't be getting qualifications but filling some of those gaps and hopefully enabling people to give themselves permission more to to go out and, and live the life on their terms that they want to. Yeah it's really important as well when you decide to learn because you want to it's I wouldn't say it's easier to achieve 
but you've got a reason to get up and do it. Like for the first time, like my degree, I I got one B and I think the rest was over 70s. And I, I got a first, like first person in my family. And I was like, me, because I wanted it. I wanted it so much more because I was like, I decided I didn't just fall into it. So I think if you are thinking, you know, just I think a lot of us are lost at the minute. And I think if you are like, well, what do I do next? Look at doing something quick and small. The Open University has like part-time short courses. You can go and do Egyptology. You can go and learn like watching the Great British Pottery Throwdown. Go do pottery. I mean, obviously not IRL right now, but look into that for the future. Just if you feel like there's something missing, fill it with learning because it will pay you back. Exactly. I totally agree. And that, that's yeah, be, be curious about what you're interested in. And it's okay to do something, as you said before, and I, uh, I'm always a big fan of this. Don't you don't need to know the answer, but you can try things. And then even if you're like, God, screw that. I'm never doing that again. Like that is how you learn and get to where you want to be by doing crossing it out. It's not that you have to have the part, the fully like full path figured out when you get started. Talk a little bit, your last point then, you, you in, in capital letters you sent to me, and I laugh because I relate to this, geography in, in exclamation mark. Tell us about that. Geography, oh my God. If there's one part of my head that is empty, it's geography. I don't know what it was about the 90s and the early noughties. I never was given a map and said, these are where these countries are. No, no, no. We did social geography. I know everything you need to know about the one child policy in China, or that there's a new Silicon Valley in Bangalore. Where's Bangalore? I don't know. And I feel like I just like Zoom quizzes. Oh my God, Zoom quizzes, geography rounds, pointless. I, I can't do it. I don't even know, and I'm, and I'm embarrassed. I get the Isle of Man and the Isle of White confused because I've never looked at a map. And I can't, when, if we get stuck in traffic and someone's like, there's an AA map on the floor, I'm like, oh, babes, oh, honestly, it could be Cyrillic because I just can't, I can't, these squiggly lines, I, do, I don't know. And I don't know why, but it's just a massive gap. And then I was so pleased when I didn't have to do geography anymore, but I kind of wish I'd, I'd, I'd looked at a map at some point. <laughs> oh, God, I've got tears in my eyes. I mean, it's so... Well, I, I relate to that. Maybe not everyone does, but exactly the same. I can remember the Brownfield sites, the Greek. I remember that. I think I may have, I think I may have even done geography GCSE, you know, as well, which is, I mean, which is why maybe we're talking about that. But I agree that I still now, that's something that I always, wherever I am, whether it's walking around London or driving up, you know, driving up the motorway up, up north or anywhere, I'm always like zooming out on the map and zooming in and just trying to learn where things are. Because I, I, I agree and I, I, love, I love that you included that. Again, never too, never too late to learn. You learn to use that, that you could use that A to Z. That could be, that could be your next yeah. thing, Ben. I'm going to find out where in the world I am right now. I'm going to buy myself a globe. <laughs> just pop your little figure, figurine just popping on. I like that. <laughs> That's actually something that helped me. Those really, I got as a birthday those cool like scratching off. yeah a while ago it got I since it went into storage and got spoiled but I that I found quite nice to like pop, look at all the places having it as a visual in front of you on the regular <laughs> so moving on now to the questions I like to ask everyone and that is you've talked about Mrs Bruce and I presume she may have been one of your worst teachers but what about favorite <laughs> teachers in your life 
Yes, Mrs. Bruce, forever in my mind. I've written about her in my book. You will not get away with what you did to me. Um, <laughs> but my favourite teacher, and I think it wouldn't be a surprise, it was actually my mum. My mum was, she's just retired, an SEM teacher. So she's very good at working with people with social and emotional needs. And for some reason, it, school just wasn't bothered about me. And I remember I got to the end of the GCSEs and we did mock English papers and I got an E because I just couldn't do it and she went into school to try and get them to help with my dyslexia they were like well it's too late she was like well I went in at year nine I went in at year seven I went in at year five no one cares so it's your fault not mine they're like yeah um there's past papers we did past papers every night for six months and she got me to two A's I, I don't know how I, I mean I'm a writer now I'm a writer now because of her hard work and dedication. She just wasn't gonna let me fail. She was kind, she was compassionate. And I think sometimes having imperfect people as teachers is the best thing because you can be the cleverest person in the world, but you won't know what it means to fail because you just, you got it. But if you also struggled with it, you can go, right, let's try and work around this. And even to this day, Next week, we're about to sit down. I've edited and proofread my book manuscript to a point, but I know I need to sit with her and she's going to help me go through it because there's just going to be stuff that I won't have got. Like, and I know I've got a book deal and I know I'm from this point of education, but I still can't remember the difference between it's, it's and it's. Those are the things to a dyslexic brain. I just can't remember them. It's very, very difficult to explain, but it's just a big stum stumbling point for me. So my mum will always be my favourite teacher and forever in my heart for pulling me up through school, like school would never have done for me. Oh, I mean, France, you sound absolutely wonderful. And the f I mean, what I mean, what an amazing teacher, the fact that she can, any teacher that can can help someone through that. And as you said, it, and this is it, why for people embracing, you don't want perfect all the time. You don't want things to come easy. It, the, the easier things come to you, the less you learn. Yeah, absolutely. With that. And I think that this, and also the better teachers you are, whether that's teachers to friends or just as role models, yeah. the, when you can learn to navigate challenges rather than things coming easily to you, there's so much more value in that. And it's a hard reminder for people for us all, but a good a good one. What about I like a fun question? I like favorite favorite school dinner. Favorite school dinner. I I don't want to make everyone sad, but my favorite school dinner would be soup on the sofa at home in front of changing room reruns. I I as you probably worked out, I hated school, and bless her, my mum. I think she knew a lot of the time that I wasn't ill, but I just couldn't face it. And she was really compassionate in the sense that she would let me stay at home. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I had to play ill. Like, I think maybe I was ill 40% of the time, but was ill, not ill, the rest of it. But she would let me sit on the sofa and have soup on a lap tray. And she'd just spend time with me. And I think in looking back, we probably did schoolwork. I don't remember it feeling like that. But I think she knew that I just couldn't thrive in that environment. And she definitely, I owe her so much for that because it was difficult because my sister was a high achiever. She loved school. She made friends really easily. She's got two degrees. She's just everything that academically I never was going to be. And I think my mum was able to help both of us through that. And I am so grateful. And I think maybe I missed, I would have in a month, maybe six days off. 
two a week, one a week. School didn't seem to care. I think they would now. I think you'd get fined. I think they definitely make people force their kids to school. But thankfully, when I was a child, they didn't. But yeah, being at home in school time, that was the best. Especially with those changing room reruns. as you oh, UKTV <laughs> Gold had them on all day. Anna Ryder Richardson, Linda Barker's Teapot Disaster, Handy Andy, Lawrence Wen and Bernard. Oh, changing rooms. I'm so glad it's coming back. I can't wait. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be on Channel 4. Davina McCall's fronting it. Lawrence Wen and Bowen's going to be there. And I got picked up by a local radio station in Ireland, of all things, to talk about it when it came back because I'm such a mega fan. I, I love know. it. Oh my gosh, yes. when, when is this happening? <laughs> I need to make sure I'm ready. I really hope so. I really hope it's soon. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> Talking of exciting things, tell us as much as you can about your book. Oh, my book. Right, well, we don't have a date yet. It's primarily for a non-binary reader, someone who is in their mid-teens to early 20s. And it's, I don't want to say a self-help guide because it's not. It's basically a route map of how to navigate awful people, bad situations, what the world has told you about yourself. And it's definitely a love letter to, to 10-year-old me. I needed that and I didn't have it. And I'm doing my best to give kids that are going through it in any way that they are, like I did. I'm giving them the support I needed, basically. And it's, it's a real passion project. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. But nothing like it exists, I don't think. And I, I owe it to the world. And I'm, I'm very, 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 very excited. I wrote it very, very quickly. And now I'm paying that price because editing it, I'm like, what, what did you say? I, but it's, it's going to be good. We're going to get it there. <laughs> You absolutely, your mum will help you get it there. You will. And it, as you, it's going to help, it will help so many people. And I love that it's almost, you know, as you said, it's that younger, that 10 year old version of you. And you describe it as a route map then. This is the geography that matters. You do, you absolutely. do know. But it's also written from the sense that there's a, 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 into the book, I sort of say, if you want to to better yourself, become a better ally, read it from this perspective. And it, it really will open it up. And also from a perspective of, accessing self-love and joy there's a lot to be taken away from it if you take away some of the gendered language some of the you know the specific details there's a lot in there that I think we could all benefit from um, I'm hoping my publishers will see that too um <laughs> boost my sales no, I absolutely I'm sure as you said it would be so, so important I think there's there's not enough of books books like that around and I cannot wait to read it and I cannot wait to get teachers to read it as well I think that is going to be yeah and I think it look at all the things we've talked about and I'm the same person writing that book it's really important just to let kids be who they want to be mm -hmm. and it it'll happen in the right way for them thank you Mrs Bruce which <laughs> <laughs> you could see the look there that Ben just gave me, Mrs Bruce in the past we've all got that teacher for me it was Mrs Cherry Oh. <laughs> it's a story for another day tell us tell people where they can find you you can find me in my little corner of the internet on benpeachy.com you can find me on instagram at benpeachy not really on twitter but i'm there as well and yeah instagram my website i'm there most days just sharing thoughts and feelings and welcome in i love everyone please come join us well, thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. Thank you so, so much for joining me. 
it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Katri. It's been such a lovely way to spend a cold, grey, wet morning.